Tonight, we revisit the state of the program address. We revisit our topics, our takes, and where the Gators are right now at the end of the 2023 season. This is the In All Kinds Weather Forecast. Welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds Weather Forecast. I'm your host, Chris Shanes, alongside my co-host, Neil Shulman. And tonight, we have Shelton from High Top Sports. We're going to be revisiting our state of the program address and some of the takes we had on that podcast. And I think we're going to have some uh, some doozies as we as we go back through them. And also, we'll kind of give the fans a little bit of uh, our takes on where Florida can start to reverse course and hopefully get back in the winning ways with what they can do this offseason. Before we get to all that, make sure to, if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe our show. Leave a comment down below on what you think Billy Napier and the Gators got to do this offseason to right this ship. And also give uh, High Top Sports a, a follow and a subscription on YouTube. They have a fantastic show, Shelton and Dave. Uh, always great to have them on the show, but make sure to follow their channel, High Top Sports, on YouTube, as well as follow him on Twitter. So, Shelton, the state of the program is what now? Well, <laughs> I, was, I, wasn't ready, I wasn't ready for that question. Oh, man. Uh, after today, it's it's uh, one word. I mean, we used one word last time, I thought, right? I think I, th- I, think I said humming. You did. It was humming. <laughs> We said humming, ascending, sustainable, rising were the uh, the words that all four of us used on that podcast. And I don't think any of those adjectives apply anymore. No, I would say uh, in in, in neutral right now. I want to say concerning, but I don't want to be too pessimistic. But yeah, it's a little little frightening at the moment. Maybe frightening, right? A little, little fear. Frightening. Well, you don't want to be the pessimistic one because that's my job. Um, yeah. It's a barn fire right now. <laughs> you have a situation where where culture and patience was was preached and essentially shoved down our throats. And in part by me, I'll, I'll take a, a piece of the L on that because I did write that long culture piece on Florida's uh, you know, newfound way of doing things under Napier. All that for Billy Napier to go six and six his first year and then get worse go backwards to five and seven his second year. And now we have a situation brewing where one of our two or three best players, I think is fair to say is seriously looking to go play for another school next year so that he can have a larger role on that team and potentially play for a CFP spot. And now we found, find out what Napier is really made of. Is he just a great salesman? Um, who maybe sold us a facade is he selling something of real value is the culture building thing real or was it all a facade that as we now look around at each other in bemused horror one five and seven season later is now crumbling to molten ash before our very eyes we're gonna find out i mean i definitely think the program is stuck it feels like it's at the very least stuck right now and that kind of goes into what shelton said neutral you know, I mean, Shelton, you were very positive of the team going in. And I, I think you, you jokingly said you can never pick against your Gators and and you pick them, you know, I don't want to say you picked them to go undefeated on our show, but, you know, you kind of were joking and saying that you can't pick against this team, but you felt confident based on the things that Billy was doing on and off the field. In fact, the day we recorded that show 
Wardell Mack had just committed to the Gators. We all know where Wardell Mack has since flipped his commitment to Texas. Uh, we've lost the uh, commitment of Amaris Mims since then, and there's rumors of other potential flips, or at least the fact Florida's going to have to fight down the stretch to maintain a top five class. So I guess Nasir Johnson, I think you mean Amaris Mims is the Georgia offensive lineman. I'm sorry. Well, Nasir Johnson, yeah, you are correct. That was my and Jamonte Waller. And Jamonte Waller yeah. to Auburn. So the teams that Florida is going to be playing in the near future, Texas next season. You know, Shelton, where are you with Billy Napier right now? Because I think we all we all liked him, but yeah, I I came on and I said, hey, do do we recall what I said? Because I, I remember saying a lot of lies <laughs> in that previous show. And yes, I have a hard time choosing against you know picking against the Gators, and you know I'm not going to actually try to defend my picks because they were atrocious, obviously. But I I today the the murmurs of Trevor Etienne possibly transferring. I said, look, I went my Discord and I said, if if he if he loses Trevor. I'm I'm gonna be uh looking my way out on Billy. And obviously I'm probably gonna have to kind of sit in neutral and see what he does. I don't think they're gonna move on from him, but I'm gonna be frustrated given the fact because this is your guy. He was one of your he was your first big recruit that you landed. He's been there for two years. Now I I understand if Trevor wants to go, it's more than likely gonna be his last year to win. That's kind of been the rumor run, running around as he wants to play, you know, in a big time game. We we are don't look like we can offer that. And I, I I respect it to a to an extent. It, it's frustrating. It's where we're at. Uh, it, it the part that sucks is I feel like we're getting away from playing from the orange and blue. It's no it's no longer playing for the logo. You're playing for yourself. And there's there's pros and cons to that. And I think you can argue, you know, both sides to what you know right or wrong. But look, he's he's making moves. He made a fire. So yesterday, although some people were against it for it, uh, we spoke with Stephen Harris two weeks ago about that on our show. We have him on every Monday. The two things he called out were cornerback per, uh, progression and play and defensive line, just not looking what it needed to be. So when people were kind of in a shock and awe, it's like, look, are we not watching the same thing on the football field? You can't have the two years that you had and not expect a change. And he even kind of, I think he nailed it on the head. It's like, look, we like these guys. Coach Chaos, big energy guy, ton of, uh, you know, love them. The players love them. And same thing with Corey Raymond, somebody that everybody kind of just grew to and, and, and like to love. So when you see those guys go, it's like we had a connect, a personal connection. So that was, I think, what were people had a hard time going with. But for me, where I'm at with Billy, it's I, I'm I'm not I'm not as obviously as pro as I was when we had the 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 State of the Union address. Uh, I want to be optimistic because uh, you know we'll handle the rest. But um, it's hard to be right now. And uh, I I always come on the show and I said I think every feeling is valid of where you're at with Billy Napier. I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to defend him before I would defend him. I'm not at a point of defending him anymore. He's, he's on his own right now. Yeah, I think he's, I think that's fair. I think he's definitely earned that, that place that he's put himself in. Um, So for me, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out the buyout. I'm going to disregard it and just talk about where, I am with him personally. Napier has to go seven and four or seven and five next year at a minimum, or I'm done. I, I'm finished. He he's not going to get a year four, and and I don't think he deserves one. Um, barring an absolutely catastrophic wave of injuries, you can't get at least seven wins. You're out of here. Um, personally, I want to see eight and four, but seven and five does show a two game jump. And if this is this, this is where it kind of shifts from what I personally want to what I think will happen. If he goes six and six again next year or worse, I know what some boosters have said. They want to see a full year with DJ Lagway as QB one, but 
you go six and six in year one, five and seven in year two, six and six again in year three or worse. I simply don't see him getting a fourth year because boosters are people. They are fans. They are competitive people at that. They want to win. And if he goes six and six, we're going to say six and six and not like four and eight or three and nine. We're going to give him six and six. Going six and six in 2024 means he would be 17 and 20 at Florida with zero growth from when he first took over the program. Remember Dan Mullins last year, also six and six. Uh, if Florida in this hypothetical situation was three and nine in Napier's first year, because he did a complete reset and he really took a year zero and then five and seven this year. And then he's seven and five next year. His record overall would actually be worse than what it would be with a six and six record next year with the first two years standing as they were. And I would not be happy with that, but at least then you could say, Hey, you know what? It's bad, but there is Chris. What have I been saying all progress. year long? There you go. There is growth. There is progress. There would be a two game improvement from year to year. And that three year test we love to talk about. No, there wouldn't be a championship in there. There wouldn't be contention for a championship in there, but there would be signs that things are headed in the right direction. So it's not just about the overall record. I, first of all, I really don't even care about year one. I gave Napier a blanket pass, do whatever you got to do to get the program set up for long-term success. For better or worse, I said, I don't care what the record is in 2022. I'm making an investment in the future of this program. I'm willing to punt on this 2022 season if it means that by year three, we are exponentially better than we were when you first took over the program. So again, I don't like the idea of going three and nine. I'm not saying I would have rathered that, but if that means going five and seven in year two and then seven and five in year three, then there is real reason to feel good about the trajectory of the program. Right now, there is no objective reason to feel good about the trajectory of the Florida program. And just to kind of interrupt, uh, speaking to that you know trajectory, think about people like Jed Fish that's been tossed around at Arizona. He, he he follows a, a similar path. I think it was like four and eight, five and seven, and now nine and three this year, I believe. The name that always gets brought up is Mike Norvell. Same thing, five and seven, five and seven, I believe. I could be off of the numbers here, but then 10 and three last year. So that third year is definitely, like you said, a very important year to show, hey, where we're going. Unfortunately, I don't think either of those coaches <laughs> faced the same schedule that Billy is about to roll into uh, for year three. But look, at this point, you, I think you, you nailed it on the head. Year one, you knew what was coming up in year three. So we're trying to say that, hey, year three is scary because of the schedule. This isn't a shock. It's not a surprise. We knew of what was coming. The Texas, Oklahoma, maybe not so much, but we knew of UCF and, and Miami, and then it's going to be an SEC schedule regardless. So you should have been prepared for this and understanding, hey, what's to come. I, I personally feel we're behind the eight ball unless he does some complete magic trick in the transfer portal and – can com complete this class going into next year. That's a funny thing you just bring up there. You say, well, it's the SEC. I've been pointing this out ever since that 2024 schedule set of opponents came out. Dude, you're in the SEC. What did you expect was going to happen? And, oh, by the way, you want to talk about difficulty. You know what I don't see on that schedule? I don't see Alabama. I don't see mm. Oklahoma. I don't see Auburn in potential big jump in year two of Hugh Freeze. It could have been a lot, lot worse. And here's the other thing. 
for everyone pointing at the schedule saying, well, there's not even really any easy game in there because our cupcake is Central Florida and we have to still play at Mississippi State. Guess what? The Florida Gators should be that team that frightens the crap out of other teams. We should not be the ones making poopies in our diapies because, oh, no, we have to go to big, bad Mississippi State. And we have to host Kentucky and we have to host Ole Miss and we have to host Texas A&M all in the same season. No, we should be the team that they are all scared of, that they are looking at their schedule and chalking up as a likely loss. I'm tired of that. Well, I mean, the SEC schedule, like y'all have said, I mean, it it has been historically difficult for now two decades at this point. It's almost been 20 years since Florida started the run of SEC national championships, and now it's going to get harder year in and year out. I think the bigger question, though, is that the historical unprecedented that we've had now, you know, and Billy Napier is 11 and 14. This is the worst start of a head coach since Charlie Pell in 1979, 1980, where he went 0 10 and one. And by the way, showed a lot of progress a year later going eight and four after that 0 10 and one start. And then of course, this is the first time since the 1940s, three consecutive losing records. I mean, that it, it literally was the, the last time that happened was we were bombing Pearl Harbor. Or we were bombed. We, Pearl Harbor was bombed. We were dropping the atomic bomb on Japan and, and Germany. You know, like, I and mean, that is how long it's been since Florida football has had three consecutive losing seasons. That's it's unacceptable in the modern day of college football with all of the resources at the fingertips. And I understand that, you know, Napier did a year zero, but I think he made a miscalculation, guys, on how much time he truly had. I think that the Scott Strickland and he, some of the administration, the UAA might have been saying, you're going to get four or five years. You're going to be fine. We're going to back you up. We're going to give you all the resources you want. You got the new facility coming. Everything's going to be fine. And we we understand you're going to take your lumps. But at the end of the day, the people writing the checks can also replace the administrators that told him that. And look, you know, if Billy Napier ends up being a lame duck coach in 2024, you got to believe that there are going to be some internal changes that may result and who's calling the shots next season at the end of next season and and as it pertains to Billy Napier's job. So I just think for a guy that is as strategic as he is, as detail-oriented as he is, he made a gross miscalculation in the time that he had. And now he's going to have to scramble this offseason to make dramatic changes to his coaching staff, probably raid the transfer portal more than you would like to see for a coach that's about to enter year three. We, I think a lot of us believe that he hopefully holds his top five class and they are going to be the the catalyst, the game changer for the program. But still, the reason Mike Norvell made a big jump from year two to year three was not high school recruiting. It was the fact that he was able to maintain a nucleus of players, including guys like Jordan Travis. They stayed in the program. They bought and they believed. And Napier, to some extent, has that. But then... He also raided the portal like crazy. And at the time, we were making fun of him like, this isn't how you roster build for the future. This isn't going to work. Well, looks like it worked. And now it actually was a bridge to his recruiting that we see now as Norvell is number four in the country in high school recruiting. So maybe, you know, he certainly has proven us wrong in that regard. But, I mean, I think, do you guys think that he, at this point, his plan that he had coming in is now going to have to just dramatically shift. It's, it's just going to be very different. Or is this sort of a thing where you think he stays the course and, and tries to see if he can't write the ship uh, originally? 
I think if if we're, if we're comparing it to his play calling, which I've compared his play calling, that he comes in with a plan, and his issue is he has a hard time adjusting and calling an audible during the game. Tennessee, I always go back to that game because that game that game was perfectly executed, right? He was never he never had to uh, veer off from the plan and make an audible. FSU, it was close to it, but when the moment came where he had to maybe make an audible and adjust a plan, he refused to do it, and it bit him in the ass. I'm worried that that same thing is going to happen off the field. He has a plan. He feels that it's going to be executed. I believe the NIL threw a wrench into this that I don't think he has a true grasp of it yet. I don't. He hasn't showed me that he's understanding that the world's changing. It's moving much faster than you realize. And with the portal, the word patience, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight as it once did. And because people can get instant gratification with the transfer portal, and Norval has proven that, Everyone's going to believe that you should be able to at least win seven to eight games with some of the actions that you make in the transfer portal. And look, I criticize Norvell too. The portal is not sustainable. It's meant to, to, to build. Now, you can do what they did and bridge to a recruiting class, which is phenomenal, but they're still going to have to go be extremely effective in the portal next year, them being FSU, because their entire team is going to be leaving. So it, I'm, I'm interested to see how they carry it over, but at least they, they did a great job and, and recruited very well. He's already known to do great jobs, do great things in the portal. And if you're a kid that's going into the portal, look at all the players that went over there. Keon Coleman, his exact reasoning for leaving was he saw at Michigan State his his counterpart that had Peyton Thorne thrown to him went second round. He thinks, okay, well, imagine if I could go somewhere that just a kid that has an arm, I could get in a round earlier. That's a that's a big pay bump. Is exactly what he is. He's now projected to go top fifteen in the NFL draft uh, this year, and he hasn't had like a, a spectacular season number wise. But he's made big time catches, has a ton of touchdowns under his belt that he wouldn't have had if he would have stayed at Michigan State. So uh, I think uh, I'm worried that he's not going to change him. Him having these two big fires, that was I think a step in the right direction, but it can't be it. I'm hearing noises that Mark Hawk might stay, the offensive line might stay. If that is the case, he he might as well just go ahead and uh, sign off and, and start writing his resignation letter now because it's not going to be good. I mean, wholesale changes are needed. I mean, we, we've said, I mean, I think a lot of us were upset that the first firings weren't the offensive line coaches are on the offensive side of the ball. And because we, uh, we understand that he has to go out and get a play caller and that that's going to mean reshuffling his offensive side of the ball for the staff. But I mean, I'm glad I personally, I, I think it was kind of interesting to see some of the players reactions to the firings initially yesterday, because in my mind, you went five and seven, you had the worst performance in school history. You gave up 1,200 yards in a matter of two weeks, and you were the reason why, in large part, you lost seven games. So I think it, it shouldn't have been a surprise that defensive changes also came about. I think we were alluding to that, but I agree. Like If, if you're not going to change your offensive line coaches, you're not going to change your strength and conditioning, which clearly is lacking now. I mean – I guess you're just saving the money for the buyout next year when those contracts are up and we can, you know, go, go or somewhere else. You know, I just, it, 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 he has to, I think there, that's the biggest thing, Shelton. I think, and Neil and I have said this is that Napier just seems a lack. He lacks a sense of urgency overall. He, he, he just he's on the field. <laughs> even on, you're right. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like there's no tempo to his offense. And I just think it's, it's crazy that he would even consider retaining. I mean, at this point, who are the coaches that really should stay on staff? I think there's that's really the question. There's two of them. There's two of them. That's it. Jabar Jaluk, Billy Gonzalez. That's it. 
That's and it. I've heard, I've, I've heard Billy's Billy's name's been tossed around. I think. Look, I mean, Austin. I'm I'm still on board with Austin. I yeah. think uh, we, I've, I've had multiple conversations with Stephen Harris just about this the scheme that he's calling. He's he's in fan of of what how the defensive looks. Shannon Snell as well was also complimentary to what Austin Armstrong is called. Although the the stats don't per, you know support those things, which I understand that's where a lot of people are kind of hit, have a lot of heat for Austin. So I get it. Uh, but I like to always ask questions of guys who play the game. Like, hey, what are you looking at? What what are you seeing? Um, and again, Stephen Harris is his biggest question marks were the D line, the lining up. Right, exploding, come reading, reading, right, being more reactive than explosive. And even asked Cam Jackson in an interview on the show yesterday, what was the reason for that? Was it coaching? Was it, you know, what you wanted to do? Would you rather came off the ball more? Those things. So, uh, and that's where I feel like that's more on the defensive line stuff. So, yeah, you're gonna have to have a massive change. But again, you have a massive overhaul. I feel like we're right back where we were at the beginning of last year, where it's like we've got a new wide receiver coach, new tight end coach, new defensive coordinator. We just I feel like we're constantly starting over at some point at some point of this game. And that's part of it. That's just that's just kind of the way of this of college football. And I think all things end up back on Billy. How are you going to manage this? How are you you, you got high you're getting paid the bid bucks? You talk about how you're supposed to be here and handle this thing. Right now, you're not handling it very well. He gets paid north of $7 million a year. Let's just let that statement sit there. For the record, that's almost twice what Urban Meyer made. And I know inflation wow. is a thing, yeah. but just yeah. for perspective, that's that's where that is. So I, I'll probably say that I'm like 50-50 on Austin Armstrong right now. I do think that there's something to be said about the players just not caring about what they're doing. Um, I mean, there's a lot of bad game tape. I, I mean, I've tweeted some of it, especially from the defensive backs, but – I mean, Sheldon, you talked about something that I wanted to um, address, and that's patience. You don't – like you meaning Strickland, Napier, or any boosters who defend the two. You have no right to demand that of anybody else. Like the burden of proof is on you to try to make us come to your point of view. It's not the other way around. And – Look, to anyone saying that we need to be more patient, that Billy was hired for long-term rebuild, I, I do understand that Billy took over a terrible situation. I do understand that Dan Mullen left him with crap to work with. I'm cognizant of that. I am sympathetic to that fact. That's why this is, hey, Billy, you better fix this and you better win seven games next year and not I'm out. Sorry. I've seen enough. You're not the guy. Time to move on. Because to the let's be patient crowd, think about what you're asking. You have a guy who goes six and six in year one and five and seven in year two. And you think you have the gall to claim that we, the rest of us, are being too demanding by asking for seven and five in year three. In case we've forgotten, this is Florida. This is Florida. You will win or you will be fired. That's it. That's the plan. No audibles. No, well, let's have a struggle session. Let's sleep on it. Let's see how we feel in the morning when emotions cool off. No, you will win games or you will lose your job. That is how it works. That is how it's always worked at Florida. So again, you want patience? This is it. You're seeing it. That I'm willing to give a guy who's 11 and 14 right now the chance to show me a third year after he very well might be losing his best offensive player. That is the patience. So stop. You're just making yourself look brainless. Please. It's a bad faith argument and it does nothing to advance anything about the current state of the Florida program.
Well, Neil, uh, Neil spells it out. I mean, do, and I, it's you, enough. It's enough. You're trying to defend the indefensible. Well, and, I don't even think that's pessimistic. I think you're spot on. I mean, I know you kind of get hit with being the, the, the negative gator at times, but I, I think you're, you're spot on there with the patience. Look, I've, I've been a big believer in the patience and, and, and allowing this thing to unfold. I've also have hopped off the train of blaming Mullen for leaving, you know, the crap players at, at this point in the game, I feel like we're not losing games. We're not, I don't believe we're five and seven because of what Dan Mullen left us. Right. That's, that's where I I'm agree. at. I agree. Maybe we're seven and five. We should be seven and five, eight and four. And I could say, look, we're, we're just a couple players short, but we're not the, 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 the losses weren't because of a couple players short. The losses were in my opinion. There's two or three of them that, I mean, all losses are always going to have Billy's, you know, fingerprints all over, but there's some that are just blatantly just, just coaching errors. And, and look, players are always going to be involved with it too, but, there, there's two or three games where it's it has nothing to do with what Billy was left. It's all on what Billy was doing right now, and it could have easily been fixed if if he is the guy, should be fixed. I don't believe because everyone's like, hey, hire Mullen or hire or, or Meyer, like C Spurrier. I know they're that's that's nonsense in the C Spurrier, but like that that mindset, right? I don't believe Urban or Steve comes in and wins 10 plus games with this team this this year. But I promise you we're not losing, we're not losing to South Carolina, or we're not losing to Arkansas. If we're up 12-0 and either of those guys are coaching against Florida State, none of those coaches are losing that game. I can assure that. And that's where I'm starting to lose patience and ability of these. are Look, I can excuse a lot of things. You're up 12-0 after a safety. You get the ball on the 45. You, you Bro, you better figure some shit. You better pull everything you've got in your damn book to knockout put some more blow. Put, That should have been the more- knockout blow. The place was literally an insane asylum when the safety happened. I was yep. I was floating when it happened. I haven't heard the place that loud, and I, you had muted FSU, and that place was packed full of FSU fans. Yeah, it was. You had an opportunity to put the nail in the coffin, and what did you do? What you do at every game? You you suck the air out of the room. You suck. Say it's the same thing. Been doing it all year. We complained for the last three games how they managed the last two minutes going into halftime. They, they were atrocious, no urgency. Somehow Montreal breaks off for a 40-yard run. Oh, shit, we might actually go in the half and put points on the board. Nope, we're going to screw that up too. Just kidding, LOL, hold my beer. You can't do that. You can't do that. And those those things, uh, that's where I'm starting to lose my patience. He just he seems to lack the killer instinct. You know, I mean, in that situation right there, I said it, and we talked about it on our show, on our recap show, it was like, you got to You got you had them on the ropes like they were wobbling. You know, it was time to knock them the you know what out at that time. Like, don't let them get back up. We had them in like the third, fourth round ready for a knockout. And we just we we let him go. We let him off the hook. And it, it's it's inexplicable. It's un, you know unexcusable. And Napier has shown that he just doesn't have the killer instinct. That. Some of these other coaches like Meyer, Spurrier, Kirby right now in Georgia, Saban in Alabama. I mean, the great ones have the killer instinct. Like they they sort of have this thing where like they're a boa constrictor. They'll constrict you, but they you, you think there's a chance you could get out, and then they just crush you when it's time and you're done. And I just I have not seen that even ever at, with Napier and if you go back to some of the results at Louisiana, even when he was winning 11, you know, games, there were games where, where they won by one score a lot. And I just, I'm, I guess now I'm really starting to see 
or have my doubts. I have my doubts that even if he goes and he hires the best play caller, he hits home runs with all of these, you know, DB coach, D line coach, offensive line coach, even if he revamps the strength program, even if he closes with a top five class, even if he gets the best guys out of the portal at the end of the day, you're the head man. And you're the one that's going to be making the decision in this game to go for the knockout blow, to put a team out when you have a chance I just don't see it. And maybe, you know, if he gets those right pieces, maybe we start winning 19 games a year. But to me, to become a champion, you have to have that killer instinct. And I'm just, I doubt it. I don't see it right now. We, two things. I I get a lot of flack because I was like, got that dog in him, right? They go, hey, I want to say they got that gator in him. Billy needs to find that. I don't know if you guys cuss on the show. He needs to find that effing dog in him. Okay. We'll just tell Dustin to to bleep it out or explicit. (laughs) Okay, that's why I care. You can you go, let it go, let it fly, let it fly. And then um, the second thing I was talking with with Stephen Harris yesterday is I, I asked him and he said they hated Urban, right? Because Urban made you uncomfortable, but Urban made you better. I don't feel anybody on the team hates Billy, and mm-hmm. I thought I liked that. I thought I liked the fact that they all bought into him, but they need to hate him. They need to hate him, hate him to the point where they respect him, mm-hmm. right? They they. They they just they despise because he makes them so uncomfortable every single day. But then they see the production on the football field. They're like, I'm okay with it. They need a common they need a common enemy, and Billy needs to be that. And again, in a healthy way. And right now, I don't believe that is the case at all. At all, they love him. They genuinely love him, which is which is good. I feel like that's 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 awesome. But like you said, it's when we're getting ran over in the backfield. And we got DBs that can't even level out a, a level wide receiver. I don't want you to love him anymore. Well, do you remember how in the Swamp Kings documentary, I'm sure Stephen Harris talks about that, how Urban Meyer were treated stars like stars and shit like shit. And there's a lot of shit right now on that field. And we haven't necessarily, I'm not sure if that's being addressed behind closed doors. And if, if you don't like it, if you get treated a certain way because of your play on the field, maybe you start playing. I don't know me, the competitor me would be like, all right, I need to get my shit together and I need to start playing better. And, you know, to, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case when you got guys not showing a want to go tackle. Ray Davis running, gashing you for th- almost 300 yards. LSU shredding you for an 85-yard touchdown run with a quarterback. And, you know, we have a DB on going on Twitter saying, what were you wanting me to do? Well, we wanted what you to could make- I possibly do there? Make- you saw that, Shelton? Make the damn tackles what we should have done, you know? I mean. Yeah, he does. He saw it. He's laughing. For those you listening know, he, on audio, he, he, knows. he knows what we're talking about. He knows yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> of course he does, because he made a buffoon of himself in front of the entire world to see. That's but that's, that's, but that's my point. Like a coach should not allow a player to have that mentality. Should be like right. make the freaking tackle, like Brandon Siler said. When it's time to go make the tackle, make the freaking tackle. When it's time to go make the block, make the freaking block. We do and that is instilled from the coaching staff down. I don't think that's I'm the not, word beginning with the letter F that he used. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I, I talked to Stephen Harris about this too because we, we were discussing coaches getting fired because he was there for Zook, and then Urban came in, and he says he loves Zook. Big fan of Zook. And he goes, I was, I, was, I was devastated. Nobody wanted Urban to come in. But the difference between now and then is they didn't have a way out. There wasn't the transfer portal, and there wasn't really social media to really express your frustration because we were talking about the players reacting to the hot, the fires uh, yesterday. And he's like, "Look, man, don't don't read too much into that, right? That that reaction is just them going, oh man, like that sucks.' But we kind of saw it coming. But 
they're they're emotions. They're humans. They 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 still liked Coach Chaos. They still loved Corey Raymond. But if you're a true competitor, you've got to see that and realize, like, yeah, it makes sense that this, it's a business. And that's what he was kind of deciphering, you know, some of the players' tweets. Also, what I heard with that too is that news kind of got broke a little soon because the players obviously were unaware of it. I would imagine they would probably would have liked to get to the players before it re- reached all of us. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't go out that way. But um, yeah, that was kind of more so speaking to just the, the the different time zones. We always go back to that 06, 08 era. I, I believe social media and transfer portal, and it sounds like an excuse, and it's not. It's just it's not an excuse. It's just fact. I don't believe we're ever going to get back to that same mindset because there is always an outlet that if you don't like it here, you can leave. When before it was either put up or shut up. Either you're going to play or you're not going to play, and you really don't have another option. And that isn't the case anymore. So now you're going to say, hey, well, Georgia and Bama, they've got it figured out, and they do. And then the reason is they're winning. So, and that's a small, that's a small, that's a small uh, figure there, right? I mean, there's, we, we always compare it to Georgia because they're our rivals. All the other schools are falling apart as well. It's not like it's just not falling apart. I shouldn't say that, but they're, they're going to be struggling too. I mean, Auburn's going to have it. Michigan State, Michigan State, I mean, they're falling at the, at the rim right now. LSU will have some guys leaving, Texas A&M. Uh, people are going to have people leaving. Georgia seems to have that thing figured out, though, for sure. All right. So, I mean, I think I definitely think we've gotten into kind of some of the issues with Napier at this point, right? But let's talk about what he's got to do. Neil kind of touched on it. He Neil thinks 7-5, and five, come back in 2025. Sheldon, what do you think at bare minimum Napier's got to do to get back another year in 2025? And I guess the, at the heart of it, what has he got to do right now to set himself up a year in advance to do that? progress is going to be the biggest thing. And again, what I mean by that is each loss we've had this year, the biggest frustration is how we've lost because we haven't seen the progress and a record is a, is a very easy way to define that progress in seven and five is how you can, can, can determine that again, records are always hard because you don't know what you're going to go up against. You don't know what other teams are doing. So if it's six and six, like five and seven, I don't know what he's going to be. I, don't, I can't, I can't live with another five and seven team, but I know that the team we, with the schedule we've got, UCF is going to be no joke. Obviously, FSU, Ole Miss, Texas, Georgia. I mean, I just, I just listed off a couple, couple, couple tough games right there. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I that's that's the, the record's going to be tough. But I got to see an offensive coordinator right away this year. Obviously, I have to see an attack in the portal. We were very lackluster in the portal last year, and it it killed us. It absolutely killed us. Something that I, I might get shot by saying this. And I'm going to talk about it more on our show on Wednesday trying to digest this through because the thought process of Trevor E.T. and leaving is it sucks. I hate it, but big butt here, bear with me. Look, it's running backs and this isn't a shot towards Trevor or any running back, but the NFL has proven that they're a dime a dozen. It's kind of the next guy up. It's next mentality up. Trevor E.T. is not going to be, in my opinion, not going to be the reason we win eight or nine or 10 games. You go, you got to get a line. You've if Montreal happens to stay, if Trey on web, comes for his, you know, he's going to be in this to a second year. You go get in a big time. If we, if we go all on a Jared Gibson, which that's kind of where some noise is being thrown to as well. And you put a healthy offensive line, they will have a productive season. It's never, it's not going to be, it's still going to suck at Trevor left. So let's not, I'm not trying to justify him leaving, but you got to pick up and move on right next, next, get next guy up mentality. You, you got to be able to protect him. If Mertz comes back, you get some development on the wide receiver play. He's able to stay back in the pocket and sling the football around, and you get some key defensive players that you're lacking currently. That's what I need to see. And again, last year, don't feel like we did that. Think about the big defensive portal guys that we wouldn't got. They, in my opinion, weren't outside of Cam Jackson, 
and, and uh, Banks on the line linebacker play was was questionable. Uh, Taraja Mitchell wasn't really too effective nunnery. I mean, they kind of came there towards the end because they had to, not because we needed them. It was because they had to. RJ Moten, I thought he's gonna be a big time uh, addition on safety. We had a, we had a <laughs> we had a freshman beat him out. So again, maybe that also alluded to those guys being fired, right? That that cornerback play now. Uh, linebacker is, isn't those guys. That's that's Bateman, which he's done a great job, I believe, in this recruiting cycle. If we're able to keep these linebackers in, boy, oh boy, that's gonna that's gonna really, I think, spark the defense up. But the the, the trenches is massive. I'm working on a video now, to, to comparing the, the lines for the last two years in recruiting classes from Georgia to Florida. Now I know Georgia's yeah. the number one class, but if you look at the the class and you look at the percentage of trenches, overall trenches, D line and offensive line. 45% of the class for just last year is for Georgia is uh is offensive line. 36% of the class for Florida just last year. I'm going to do both years is for Florida. Now percentages sounds a little bit close, but Georgia also has 12 more commits than we do or 10 more commits than we do. So and, that's and those guys on the offensive line are all probably four and five stars. I mean, Georgia all is nailing blue chippers after blue chip. I mean, on uh, both sides of the line of scrimmage, Florida in this class has done very well on the defensive side of the ball, although they have lost a couple. But overall, better there. Offensive line, we only have one right now. And 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 Fletcher, they and have, Fletcher Westfall, no, they have, and that's it. They have, they have Mike Williams, I believe, is not. They have three. Oh, well, four stars. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, one, four, four and five star. star. Four and five sorry, stars. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The others are three star. Yeah. My, my, my apologies. No, you're good. No, I mean, and don't I forget think, that they also flipped a trench man from Florida. Which is another just nice, uh, actually two. Here, Johnson, two, and there was another one back in the in the in the spring summertime they flipped, but I mean, we look. I mean, we we can talk about what has to go right on the field. Like we can talk about all the complexities of the game. Um, I I feel like we did that this past year. I don't really like to repeat myself. We did that this. I mean, every single week it was something. Hey, you know, what is 34 doing with that drop against Missouri on fourth and 17? Hey, why is Jalen Kimber out there swinging haymakers at ghosts? Hey, why is the defensive line getting bodied in the trenches every single game? Why is the offensive line not able to block? Like it's always something within the game that just makes us throw our hands up in exasperation. And at this point, I'm just like, you need seven wins. Like it is that cut and dry. I don't care what it looks like. Football is a results-driven business. College football is results-driven NFL, obviously, too. But Fair enough. you need to win games. Like, I don't care if you need to record five pick sixes and your offense records negative 45 yards in the game. If that's how you're going to win games, by all means, do it. I'm past the point of caring how it looks or what happens. Obviously, good game tape, good process good players playing hard obviously is going to be more likely to result in those wins. So I'm not saying I don't care about the process. I obviously do. It's important to see the lineman play with good pat level. It's important to see defenders attack the right hip when they're trying to tackle. It's important to see Graham Merch go through his progressions properly. And it's important for the receivers routes to not look lazy. But at this point, we're done with you get points for trying. We're done with, well, it looks good so I can pardon this loss to Texas A&M at home or Kentucky at home. It's a bottom line business. And again, me, bottom line is seven and five. Okay. And again, that's 
throwing out what the buyout is. I am willing to see a third year because I do believe there's something to the fact that he is recruiting a lot of talent. But guess what? For anyone who thinks, well, you're asking for too much, we fired guys for going eight and four every year. Florida has a precedent of that. Guy's name is Ron Zook. We fired a guy two years after going 11 and one in year two. That's must champ. We fired a guy who made three New Year's six bowls in a row and finished ranked in the top 10, finished ranked at the top seven in two of those three years, Dan Mullen. We fired another guy after he won the SEC East two years in a row. And if not for a hurricane canceling a free payday win against Presbyterian would have won 10 games in a row, both of those two years too. Billy Napier has done none of that. He has accomplished a grand total of zero of those things in his two years. And again, as we pointed out, has gotten worse from year one to year two. So in the name of intellectual honesty and in the interest of maintaining a basic level of respectable public discourse, discourse, please stop with the patience garbage and respect the process garbage. You're seeing the patience. Me not advocating for him to be fired after two horrible years is the patience. So results, 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 seven wins, bottom line. And how we get to those results is, is going to be dictated in what we do on the field in 2024. You know, some of the schedule is starting to trickle out there of what it's going to be. We are, everybody has known now for some time, we're going to open with Miami the last day of August, 2024, followed by Sanford at home. And it does appear now that third game, the SEC opener will be against Texas A&M, who will be bringing in a brand new head coach in Mike Yelko, likely a different looking roster too with nature transfer portal and recruiting on how he finishes that. So those are your first three games right there. And Neil put out a tweet saying that Napier has to go three and out to start that Shelton. What are your thoughts? First three games there. I mean, is he right? I mean, obviously we want to go three and out is and I think it's realistic if you look at it because Miami's kind of like lucky that Florida's doing poorly right now because we're missing the fact that Mario Cristobal is recruiting a lot worse than he was last year. He's seven and five right now against a cakewalk of an ACC schedule. I mean, if I'm a Miami fan, they just lost Tyler Van Dyke to the portal. If I'm a Miami fan, I'm panicking. And I mean, that team to me coming into Gainesville, I, I don't see how on paper, they're going to be better than Florida. So Billy's yes. got to win that game. So you just, I'm already fired up for next season. Just hearing those first three games, like you just, there's just so much to it with crystal ball and stuffing him into a locker and being this recruiting battle we had with Rashada and Kermani McLean last year. They've been irrelevant this year. The three-star you back in recruiting again, <laughs> but yes, on paper, they look atrocious, right? In the regard, in the sense of who they're losing haven't really replaced it. They haven't recruited the same as they were at that same level. But on the field, they've looked much better. They've played teams very well, and they've actually – now, there's been times where they just look, look they don't know what they're doing, right? They He has the same Billy-esque moments, not kneeling against Georgia Tech. So, in, in a way, it's like they're – it's identical of what both teams are doing, some goods in other areas and bad and, and, and whatever. So, yeah, it, it's at home, right? It's in my, It's in Florida. Yep. Yeah, it's a must win. Sanford, isn't Sanford the game that I don't know who, what coach it was, but we kind of got like a close, not a nail yes. biter, but they put up like four. Yes. Dan Mullen. We had, to, <laughs> yes. 70, we had to score 70. I think we won like 70 to 42. 70 <laughs> to 52. 52, and, okay. And their, and their quarterback dropped over 500 yards of offense on us. 
That was so, the first game of Christian Robinson's as interim DC, I believe, right? We've yeah, got like three, yeah. three very personal, and then yeah, so that, and then Texas A and M, who who's looked good at times this year, yes. them as well. But again, on paper, they have a ton of guys leaving, which we don't know how we're going to end up yet. But they're starting over. They're year one. They got uh, uh, Petrina's going to Arkansas. Just kidding. Um, they're they're in they're in complete revamp, and I, I agree. You have to. Two, two, all three of those are at home. You, you got to go three and zero. You can't come out of that looking at two and one. There's no reason. It's not like it's a Utah, right? It's not like it's going to be a top fifteen heading into it. It's not going to be a Tennessee. So think about this year. We went two and one this year in our first three games, right? And this year, in my opinion, is much harder than what's next year. It sounds bigger because A and M is a big brand. Miami is a big brand. But what both teams have been on, but put on the field for the last few years is nowhere nowhere near what Utah and Tennessee are doing. Um, and it's all at home. There is no excuse. I, I think Neil nailed it on the head that, uh, yeah, it is a must win. Look, there's there's three wins to year seven, and now it gets much harder. <laughs> I think I think that's that's probably the easiest part of the schedule, if I had to guess. Uh, just yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because those are those are the ones we know. We know that we're going to play uh, UCF on October fifth, so the first Saturday of October. A week later, we traveled to Knoxville. One of the latest. Uh, times we've played Tennessee in recent memory. I believe the last time we played Tennessee in October is 2014, but that was like we played them in December. Oh, you're right. Well, okay. So uh, let's say non COVID year. It, 2014 was the last time we played them in October or that late in the season. Everybody else though, outside of the Georgia game, first week of November, Florida state, the last game in November, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, Texas, all open dates right now. I would imagine we probably see, one of those road games sometime in September, considering we're starting with three home games and we start October with a home game. So it's probably going to be, you know, Mississippi State. Oh, UCF's or- at home too? UCF yeah. is at home, yep. Wow, that's huge. The only game we have away, like, you know, we Florida State's home are, games next year. For, yeah, we got – and Florida State is our only non-conference uh, yeah. road game. Yeah. yeah. And Mississippi State, I guess you could say, is another easy one because they're in the same boat as most colleges right now with the uh, starting the over. Head coach. Right. Yeah, and really starting over because, again, this is, I mean, think about it, right? Like, this is what concerns me now with the transfer portal of starting over, getting a new head coach, because everyone's on this fire train. It's not like it has been in the past, because when you fire, it, it's not just the recruiting class you got to be concerned about. It's guys just picking up and leaving and going into the portal, which it's much more uh, viable than it's ever been. And that that scares that scares the beep out of me. No, you can nope. go ahead and say you've already done it twice. We <laughs> don't care about a third one. Um, so he, here's what I'll say to to qualify the tweet um, that I put out. Florida starts against Miami, as we know. The Canes are not a good football team. Now, they're not a joke. They're not McNeese or even a Charlotte, but they're not very good. You have to beat them. I've been saying it since October, and I'll say it all offseason long some more. That game against the Miami Hurricanes will determine Napier's fate at Florida. If he loses that game, he ultimately is not going to make it. No, he won't get fired on September 1st if he loses on October 31st, but a loss there is a death sentence. He will have effectively been sentenced to death. Yeah, maybe he can file appeals and motions and get some stays. Maybe he can delay the inevitable with wins over Texas A&M and Central Florida. But unless you care to argue how he's going to compensate for a loss to Miami with a monster upset like at Texas or at FSU or Georgia and Jacksonville or even at Tennessee, he's he's done for. Um, he's just he's gone. And that's the pot or that's the negative side. Though the positive side is, guess what? 
2024, the calendar shifts back. 2024 is a leap year. Labor Day comes two days earlier than it did the previous year, not one. And thus the calendar shifts in a way that the season is one week longer. Teams are going to get a second bye week in the 2024 college football season. So we know, because this is how it's always been since the dawn of time, one of them is going to be the week before we play Georgia. It does not strike me as likely that the other bye will be in November, with one of them being in late October. That tells me, by essentially by process of elimination, that the other bye week is going to come in one of those final two weeks of September, after you've hosted those three games to start the year. So when you play Central Florida, that's going to be on October 5th, as you mentioned, that's going to be the fifth game of the year. I doubt that Florida will have two buys in October, and I doubt that they'll have one in November. So what does that mean? Well, again, three home games to start the year. You don't know who the fourth game is going to be against, but you know that your fourth game is going to be either on the 21st or 28th of September, and most likely the other week is going to be an open date. So after Central Florida, after that fifth game, right? You have to be four and one. I don't, I don't care how loaded Texas A&M winds up being. I don't care how UCF has been gearing up for this moment for all their lives, bro. And they're going to give us the fight of their existence. No patience, no pity for that. Florida should be four and one after that central Florida game, right? There is four. Now, Get me three more. You have seven more games to pick up three wins. Find me three of LSU at home, Kentucky at home, Mississippi Mm. at home, and then the obvious tough ones with at FSU, at Tennessee. Tough games, but rivalry games, so you never know what could happen there. And then obviously the tough one at Texas, um, at Mississippi State, could be another one but it's doable that's the bottom line it's not unrealistic it's not crazy to ask for seven wins it is very very reasonable to ask for seven and five so again it starts out with those three home games that's why i say you have to start three and oh because if you don't it only gets harder the way it did in 2023 and if you can't stack those wins chris we saw what happened this year yep what i said we had to stack wins we didn't do it enough i thought i thought five and two was enough and i was wrong and in regard to getting this our sixth win to get to bowl eligibility just wasn't enough and you know i mean i guess at the end of the day too the way i look at it is and and shelton i've said this and neil will say it could have gone the other way against south carolina florida was a made field goal against arkansas and a fourth and 17 away from being seven and four going in the fsu game how different would everything be looked at right now if we were seven, hell seven five? People would be like progress, progress. You know, now going into this year, you know four and one, five and one. You know, I think you have to have five wins going in that Georgia game once again because the back half of the schedule is going to include Florida State. It's likely going to include one of Mississippi State or Texas. It's probably going to include a team like LSU, Ole Miss, or Kentucky. That's who you're looking at in the back half of the schedule there. And I think once again, Florida is going to be in a situation where 
they're going to have to stack wins. And, you know, I, I, I didn't realize we were going to get the second buy next year. I think that changes a little bit of things as far as strategy goes. And when he can... was going down that rabbit hole, I was like, where's he? Where's he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he hits you with a two buy. I was like, this guy's dialed in, bro. <laughs> yeah. I thought this through. Yeah. He had, a, my... he had a Sprite before this or something like that. To get him, like, <laughs> he had uh... a Mountain Dew. That was a Mountain Dew thought right there. I was, that like, was a Sprite thought. Was... It was a Sprite thought. I'm a Sprite guy. <laughs> we should have them sponsor us, Chris, as we look for yeah. sponsors next year. I'll tell you what, our sprite thought of the day. It comes from Neil Schulman here. Oh man. But yeah, I mean that's that's what we're looking at. And then I just it all predicates though on what he does over the next couple of weeks. Because one month from now, or less than a month from now, we're gonna have signing day. We're gonna have guys visiting through the portal. We're gonna know who our guys out of our team will be into the portal. We're gonna have a decent idea of what our staff's uh hirings are going to be you know hell we might even need another show of state of the program in the month yeah because you know how everything just ebbs and flows in gator nation where it's like the sky is falling the sky is falling it's really bad and then a month later we're number three recruiting class in the country everything's fine you know napier's the savior he's gonna win 10 games next year you know you know how gator nation is but right now this seems like it's a low point in the tenure overall it doesn't help that we had the, the news of Trevor and the, the two, like you, you got, you got me at a bad time, guys. You brought last time you brought me on. We, we were on a recruiting high. I was feeling good. You couldn't wait a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, we wanted, we wanted to see you at, you know, your highest of highs and your lowest of lows. So we, you know, we, we've got you at the low right now. You got, you got the you average. Got the you got the tater. You got him. <laughs> Again. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll speak for Shelton here when I say this too, because I know that he feels this way. I'll repeat it because we do we do attract new listeners and viewers every show. So it's worth repeating. We like Billy. We really do. We want him to be successful at the University of Florida. But at, at this point, he's either going to do it or he's not. And, you know, the, the stuff we were screaming about that he's, he had to do this after last season. He had to hire an offensive coordinator after last season. He had to get a real special teams coordinator. I don't think the two offensive line coach thing was so hated because he did have Cybo and Ethan White and Tarquin to kind of mask the issues there. But you needed a special teams coordinator. You needed a play caller. So clearly and so obviously he didn't do it. So now you just can't keep getting mad at the same stuff happening over and over again. So it's more – it's a little easier to be objective about this and say, look, he's either going to do it or he's going to get fired. And anyone who disagrees with me, all I'm going to say is I hope that you like sitting down when you watch stuff or when you read news, because you're in for quite a shock when that day comes. I I think uh, you, you said it earlier about this, just the same thing continue to happen. And that's where I started getting frustrated was, we're watching the same mistakes continue to happen. And you talk about watching the film, you talk about growing, you talk about learning, you talk about coming through adversity, but I'm not seeing a reaction. I'm not seeing you overcome these adversities. I'm not seeing you yourself as a head coach learn from the mistakes. I mean, the fact that you in two weeks, we we had a whole, we had a show about it, we had a call-in show about it. I clipped the call-in show because Terrell, shout out Terrell if he's listening, uh, <laughs> he nailed it on the head of, the, again, the frustration of how we handled the last two minutes of going into the half where we had an opportunity to go and score, put either seven or three points on the board. We got the ball back. That's an opportunity to double dip with all three timeouts. You dream for those moments. And I call it the Bill Belichick, right? That's the, that's the guy makes a living off of it, of being able to kind of score right at the last minute. And then you get it, you get it right at the beginning of the half. You have your scripted drive. You're able to really double dip and really kind of change the momentum of, of a football game. 
no matter how far you are behind with that. And we had two opportunities in back-to-back weeks, and even three, I want to say, headed into FSU, and we blew it. It's like, how do you not look at this opportunity and go, hey, we've got to, we've got to capitalize on this. And I was like, we got the ball with two minutes, even with Florida State. I was like, we don't, we don't have, I don't feel confident enough that we have something in our playbook to move the ball down the field with two minutes left. And that that's concerning. Like I had a feeling at the FSU game, we went in a half. I looked over at my wife and I go, I don't, I don't feel good at all about this. I, I don't feel confident. We we didn't capitalize when we needed to. We haven't, we don't look like we're controlling the game. Right. Even though we're winning, we're not controlling the game. We're just not making mistakes. And we're playing the an undefeated FSU team with Mike Norvell, who is dialed in right now. And he is going to come out in the second half, which they have done all year, and eat us up. And that if 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 me, dumbass me can notice that, right? I don't I don't know. I don't know anything. Billy, how how, how you gotta figure you gotta see this. Somebody has to be in there and go, hey, we we we've gotta come out and do something different because we're falling right into their trap and the trap that we've been falling into every single year. And that's where I start, I'm starting to lose my patience because if I'm starting to see the same thing and the same repetitive motions happen, you, you got a problem. Um, it's I'm not, just gonna, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like on that, like that's why I'm, I'm losing faith because I'm seeing the same things over and over again, like you're talking about. And for a while I was like, well, maybe he just has too much on his plate, right? He is calling plays. He's coaching quarterbacks he has to be the CEO of a program, make in-game decisions, recruit, do the whole nine yards. And whereas a lot of CEOs delegate to their staff members, or as I like to refer to them as their executive vice presidents, in this case, their coordinators, their assistant coaches. If I'm not convinced anymore that if he delegates play calling or quarterback duties or other on-field things to other coaches, that we're still not going to see the same mistakes because it's the mentality that he's now just been ingrained, I think, raised upon his life experiences. And then now as a head coach over a period of uh, six years, I don't know if it's going to change. I, I just, I can't think of a head coach who dramatically changed their strategy and for, did a 180. And other than maybe Nick Saban, Nick Saban's the one exception where he like revamped his offense under Lane Kiffin and was able to win more national championships because he realized the I formation run game wasn't going to win him championships anymore in the modern era of college football. So I, it's just so few and far between that. I'm just not convinced hiring an offensive coordinator and revamping your entire staff is going to change his philosophy because I think it is what it is. I think there's only one other coach in, in either of the big two sports that's done that. And that's Billy Donovan. After that that Manhattan loss in mm. Charlotte, North Carolina, in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in 2004, he had a come-to-Jesus moment, and he changed a lot of things, and he became a two-time national championship winning coach. Again, this, guy, this guy's like, like this said. guy's Google. He just he just he's pulling stats out from two. Well, what's up, dude? Like, where that where, where, where did that come from? He's got an <laughs> IV of Sprite. I think it's just in his arm right now, and it's just it's he's just dialed in today, dude. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> that's i mean but I again it. like this, I love this, it. this comes from me caring about the florida gator program do you know what the next step is not not for me but for the fan base as a whole like right now y'all are seeing a lot of angry takes you're seeing emotion like there's a clip of dave waters right now does a great job with his own show gators breakdown going viral for crying on his show crying on his show emotions clearly bubbling over the next step 
is the audience, the fans, the boosters, some of whom I know watch shows like these, stop caring. And that is when you get yourself in big, big trouble. Because if you, if you want to see where that road leads you, the color of Shelton's shirt's a good clue. Lincoln, Nebraska, where there hasn't been any success in the last two decades. So if you want to see where the program is headed, if there is not a significant overhaul in terms of train of thought, in terms of modes of operation, and thus in terms of what happens next on the field and off it with this program, my voice trails off. I think the effect has been made. Yep. Well, I don't know if we can sum it up any better, but right now the state of the program is stuck. It's in neutral. It, as Neil says, might be on fire. A barn fire. A barn fire. And the only person that can put it out is Billy Napier with changes this offseason with a recruiting class. We will see over the next couple of weeks if that happens. And we might have to come back here on another month and talk about it. And hope maybe we'll get Shelton on a bit of a higher note. But want to thank Shelton and for coming on the show tonight. Uh, be sure to, to give his his uh, I guess I'll let you give your show a shout out. I'll give you guys a shout out for where you guys are. People can find you on Twitter and uh, YouTube. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. This is a blast. It's always great to get different perspectives. Uh, look, I know, Neil, you get hit kind of with a negative Nancy outlook, and I get hit with the sunshine pumper. I, I think there's an existence for both. I, I actually enjoy hearing the opposing side of it. It levels me out a little bit, and I think that's if Gator fans can realize that, look, look, there's nobody's really wrong. Ultimately, we all want the same damn thing. We want to win, right? We just have a different way of expressing our feelings and having an outlook on things. And when you keep mentioning the Nebraska, I, I, deep down, that's what concerns me. It's like, man, where where are we headed? Because it feels like we're kind of we're on, on a slippery slope. But uh, yeah, you guys do a fantastic job. Uh, I, I love your takes um, and just just hearing you guys talk. You guys are very intelligent and professionals at this and way better than I am at it. And it's always a blast to be in company with you guys. So thank you. But you can find us at high top sports uh, on, on basically everything, Instagram, Twitter, there might be a couple of underscores here or there, but I think if you type it in, we should hopefully pop up. If you, if you're following Gator football, uh, you, you'll, you'll find us. <laughs> awesome. Well, once again, Shelton, we thank you so much. Make sure to go follow him and, and, uh, Dave on their show there and uh, give that a listen, give that a watch and uh, be sure if you've enjoyed our content here tonight, make sure to hit subscribe and like below. Once again, leave a comment of what you think Billy Napier's got to do this off season in order to get to a fourth season or give your thoughts on what the state of the program is right now at the bottom. We all think right now it's stuck neutral and a bonfire. Tell us what you think and make sure if you're listening on an audio format to rate and review the show. Neil. One more thing. You got one more thing for us? I think that we should end the show with the same thing that we posed a few shows ago and that I put on Twitter. Zero to 100 is the scale. Zero to 25 is the range of, I think Billy should be fired. I've seen enough. 25 to 49 is I'm leaning towards he should be fired, but I'm willing to see a third year. 50 is complete uncertainty. Coin flip could go either way. 51 to 74 is I'm leaning towards it's going to work out. I'm leaning towards it's going to be fine, but I need to see a third year to be certain of that. And between 75 to 100 is 
he's the guy I'm convinced of it. We're good. We're in good hands with him. Shelton, Chris, and then I'll give my, my own number. Where are we right now with Billy Napier? I think currently I'm at 50. I'm right on the, right on the uh, edge there. But like I said, the, the, the ETN news, although I had an optimistic outlook on it, I, the reason why I will be more in the, the 49 and below range at 24 to 49, I think is the range. I'm trying to keep notes here. Uh, is due to the fact that that is his guy. And if you can't keep your guy locked in, that's where concerns are going to start working, you know, over, overcoming me. So right now I'm going to be sitting at 50. And I think uh, I could go a little bit lower, but talking to you guys, I feel, I feel a little better. Uh, if you would ask me at the beginning of the show, it might have been lower. might have been lower. But right now I'm going to sit at 50. I was at, I think I was at 50 or 51 a couple of weeks ago, Neil. I would say I'm probably at like 47. I'm below 50 now. If he loses Trevor, if he loses some other guys to the portal, I'm probably going to be below 40. You know, if he gets a top five class, he brings, he, he raids the portal, upgrades the offensive line, trenches get strong. Graham Mertz comes back for another year. Then maybe I'm back over 50 again. Because then I can see a path where we can actually win some games, get to see my number. I keep telling this to Neil. My number next year is I want nine wins. And if we go eight and four, get that ninth win at a bowl game, fine. But I want nine wins next year. Sure. Because I think a big, a big, big component for me, Cam Jackson, he makes his announcement Friday, which probably feels he's going pro. But Prince is another one. We're able to keep Princely yep. and bring uh and, and Boone gets healthy. That that excites me. If you can convince that to convince those couple of those guys to stay, even with the loss, if Trevor does leave, I yeah. I, I I'll, I'll I'll cross it out. I'll cross it out. Yeah, yeah. But I think he can he can, he can get above fifty, and I, but he's going to need to convince players to come back. He's going to need to finish strong in the in the recruiting for high school, and he's going to have to hit the portal. He's going to have to be aggressive in the portal. No waiting around like we did last year. We don't need to find a guy's workout tape. Don't sit. Don't worry about the workout tape. Trust the film you see. That's it. That's all you need. So that's where I'm at right now. I think he's in the mid forties for me. He can get above 50 if he does some things or he can get down in the thirties. If, if things just keep continuing on the path, they are. I will say he is in the high twenties. I think that he is, he is on red alert right now. Like it's it, this is bad. Stephen A. Smith meme. This is bad. This is very, very bad. And look, that's not to say that ETN is for sure gone. We don't know that yet. We're recording this mere minutes away from the clock striking midnight on Wednesday, November 29th. Things could change by the day, even by the hour. But right now, I'm going to say he's at about 29, maybe 30, I can say. Um, Because, again, it's the fact that you got worse. And a lot of the same mistakes we saw happen in 2023 over and 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 over again could have been avoided had you done what you were supposed to do in the offseason between 22 and 23 and you didn't do it because you thought that you were the smartest guy in the room and thought that all us other outside idiots could just sit there and watch in amazement as what you did worked. Well, guess what? It didn't. Oh, and one more thing. When you when you pose these little snarky, douchey snapbacks to reporters at your press conferences, Billy, well, 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 what specifically are you talking about when someone asks you for basic accountability? Here's the answer. The same damn shit that has been hurting you since you took over, playing itself out again on a continuous loop 
over and over and over again. Does that answer your question? Ball's in your court, dude. You're either going to figure it out or you're going to get fired. And I'm rooting for you. I think we all are. But at this point, we're tired of excuses. We're tired of being told we need to show patience because, again, us being willing to see a third year of yours is the patience when your 11 and 14 record at any other point in the last 50 years would have gotten the coach fired had they not taken over the garbage dump that you took over from Dan Mullen. We're cognizant of that. We are empathetic to the fact that you took over a compost heap when you first came here. We understand that. And that is why we're giving you a third year. Yep. I'm angry. Well, I'm pissed. Yeah. If that Neil, hasn't been conveyed. I, was gonna say, I, was like, I, think, I, think, I think Neil's been feeling pretty good. I think he's pretty optimistic about the, uh, the outcome. Yeah, of yeah, doing, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll win 10 games next year. No problem. We can go to Texas. No problem. We can pull that off. Gators by a million, baby. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Gators by a <laughs> Well, I can't wait till we have him on next year and we do the season predictions again. And once again, he predicts us to go 12 and 0. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the it, highlight. That's going to be so much coming. fun. It's coming, right? <laughs> And give us like a 75% (laughs) chance to win at Texas and like an 82% chance to beat Georgia. That'll, that'll be a trip. (laughs) We love you, Shelton. (laughs) Go on. I mean, that was feeling pretty good. We landed world on Mac. I told you. I mean, Look, I don't, I don't remember my percentages. I think the Georgia one, I said 50, 50, 50. You did. Okay. was good. My mistake, my mistake, my mistake. I think Mizzou, I think Mizzou, I said, they're going to be a dark night. I remember saying that and I was spot on with that. I do remember that. And I, I think I may have said 60-40 in favor of Florida, which I was – I don't feel like I was too far off with that one. I don't feel like I was – I think that I was, was pretty – I mean, no, we didn't that win. Was fair. LSU, I think I think I said the same thing. I think I said 7-30, 70-30. But, no, no, I think, I think I also said LSU. I know for Tennessee, I think I was pretty confident, which I was right. South Carolina, I was confident, which I won't say I was right because it was close. Arkansas, I was definitely wrong. And uh, Florida State – we all were I on that one. Yeah. Huh? I said we all were on wrong on our. That's true. I don't look. I don't think my percentages were that crazy, especially because of how close it landed. I mean, no, I was just trolling. No, I was just trolling. No, no. Look, I, I, I get enough of it. I know I'm, I'm the Disney Gator. I understand, but that's you're a lot of fun man. to have, man. We love it. We love it. I, I appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, that just about does it for a show. Make sure to Neil's showing our merch up there. Make sure to go check that merch shop out on allkindsweather.com/slash/merch. Please make sure to hit like, subscribe, leave a comment down below, rate and review in audio forms, and go give High Top a review, watch their show, subscribe, like, follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find them. Once again, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening, and go Gators. Go Gators. Just for the record, I wasn't even pushing the merch there. I was just saying in all kinds of weather. We're all going to stick together for F-L-O-R-I-D-A. We ain't going nowhere.